I'm Lone Candle, and I've got something to tell you. Jack, you are a welfare queen. In a previous video, I described how many get so angry and critical of traditional welfare without realizing that they themselves get handouts from the government. Subsidies that support people in the middle class are larger and cost more than many classic welfare programs. The big daddy here is the tax exclusion for employer-sponsored health insurance. If you get insurance through your employer, then chances are you don't pay taxes on that income. That's a huge subsidy. And others who don't get that break have to pay relatively more taxes. Thus, you're sucking from the taxpayer's teeth, while others are not. You get a special break on your health insurance, and others have to make up your portion of the government's expenses. Now, when it comes to health care, there are other government benefits than just employer-sponsored health plans. For those of lower income, there's Medicaid. For those 65 and older, there's Medicare. Due to the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, there are subsidies for people with relatively low incomes. There are also other smaller government programs. The point to mentioning these is, employer-sponsored health insurance isn't the only subsidy out there. So, the people who are really getting screwed are those who aren't rewarded by falling into one of these other buckets. For them, they have to pay way more for health insurance than everyone else, just because we have a complicated multi-program system that was made piecemeal over the years without an overall design. Let me be clear, while some of us get a break from the government, others are getting fucked. Employer-sponsored health insurance is a key part of the U.S. system. As of 2017, 56% of people had employer-sponsored health insurance, compared to 38% of people who get some kind of government insurance. Employer-sponsored health insurance costs the taxpayer over $200 billion a year. That's more than the Affordable Care Act and has several potential problems associated with it. One of these is job lock. For those who fear a huge medical bill, health insurance is essential. They may choose a job they otherwise would not or stay in a job they otherwise would leave simply to hold on to precious health insurance. This means individuals are in jobs they don't prefer simply because we have a system that ties health insurance to our employment. That's an unnecessary decrease in human welfare. Furthermore, job lock hurts the entire economy. It inefficiently places human capital where, without this government intervention, it would not be. This limits the productivity of society and limits innovation. Some people may have a great idea for a business, but don't do it because they can't go without health insurance or afford the insurance available to them as an individual or small business owner. This further shrinks the economy, which means less wealth and jobs for everyone. Job lock can also keep people working full-time when they otherwise could reduce hours to enjoy life more or to take care of a family member. In an America's Health Insurance Plan survey, 46% of people said health insurance benefits were an important factor in deciding to work at their current job. 9% said health insurance was the decisive factor, and 56% said health insurance impacted their decision to stay in their current employment. When people have access to insurance outside of work, they're more likely to leave their jobs or start businesses. After the Affordable Care Act was implemented, self-employment increased by almost 3.5%. Employees who have access to spousal health insurance are more likely to change jobs by 25-50%. to 50%. Generally, 
Employees with access to insurance outside the workplace are 20% more likely to become self-employed, and employer-sponsored health insurance decreases turnover by maybe 20%. The body of studies on the subject find evidence that job lock is a real factor affecting people's lives and the economy, although the size of this impact is tough to say. Another downside to employer-sponsored health insurance? Inequity. Those at larger firms usually get a better deal than those at smaller firms because larger companies have better negotiating power, larger risk pools to balance out the expense of insurance users, greater economies of scale, and generally more highly paid employees. Furthermore, due to those who make more being in higher income brackets, the rich get thousands of more dollars in subsidy than the middle class. This point isn't to hate on the rich, but to say they don't need a bigger subsidy than average Joe. And low-wage workers often don't have employer-sponsored health insurance, so this subsidy altogether skips many who most need it. The subsidy for high-income earners is higher than the cost of a typical Medicaid recipient. Subsidizing the wealthy's health insurance more than the poor's doesn't make sense. Additionally, companies who happen to have healthier employees have better insurance, and therefore the same subsidy would buy better or worse insurance at no fault to the individual. Finally, employer-sponsored health insurance is particularly bad for people who have high job turnover. As the gig economy grows, this means more people won't benefit as much as traditional, long-term, full-time employees. That any change in a job usually leads to a change in insurance lowers the incentive for both employers and insurance companies to invest in preventative measures. Why spend the resources to keep people healthy if by the time the expensive health event happens, there's a good chance someone else will be on the hook for it. Another problem with employer-sponsored health insurance? Choice. Companies choose health plans for their employees. Sometimes a few options are offered, but these are limited, and the company is constrained by its own risk pool and negotiating power. So employer-sponsored health insurance doesn't allow individuals to go out and choose a plan that's right for them. They have some choice of where they work, and can take health insurance into account, but this is just one factor among many of deciding where to work, and isn't the same as actually shopping for a product that's right for the individual. Yet another problem, the fragmentation of the system is expensive. If the system is expensive, then healthcare costs all of us more. Employer-sponsored health insurance is very fragmented, and each employer and even the big insurance companies have trouble negotiating with providers. Thus, providers like hospitals, doctors, and drug companies keep their prices high and frequent. Many other countries are much better at keeping prices down, and as a result, they have similar medical outcomes at a much lower price tag. The fragmentation also causes high administration costs. Providers have to deal with the variety of rules that each insurance company and self-insured business has and the different forms and paperwork. Each insurance company duplicates a lot of basic work. This causes higher administration costs compared to a system that centralized insurance. Having to deal with managing healthcare is a burden upon business. These companies are specialists in what they do, not healthcare. With health costs growing faster than inflation, some researchers find evidence that employer-sponsored health insurance hampers the economic performance of U.S. industries resulting in fewer jobs and a smaller economy. An additional downside to employer health insurance? In times of mass unemployment, like great recessions or job losses due to pandemics, masses of people lose their health insurance in a time when people and the economy overall 
are already struggling. Another thing to note, employer health insurance isn't a bonus on top of your wages. Businesses see it as part of your total compensation, and people are paid less in actual money to make room for health benefits. Because there's a big tax break on such benefits, it makes sense for employers to do this. But don't think employers are paying for part of your health insurance for free. They are paying for it out of what otherwise may be your wage. And because healthcare prices increase greater than regular inflation, this causes wages to stagnate as more and more of people's compensation is spent on health insurance rather than cash. Employer-sponsored health insurance likely plays a role in growing healthcare prices. Tax-free health insurance compensation makes healthcare cheaper for the individual than it otherwise would. When healthcare is made cheaper than its real cost, we use more of it, increasing healthcare spending, which pushes up prices, worsening the problem of out-of-control healthcare costs. Generally, economists don't think health insurance linked to employment makes sense. The United States is fairly unique in the world for having health insurance tied to employment. Other countries don't do it like this. Did we do it as part of some genius plan? No. It was an accident of history. During World War II, the U.S. had a wage freeze. Businesses couldn't increase wages to compete for employees, so they offered health insurance instead. The IRS and Congress later confirmed that such benefits would be untaxed, creating a massive subsidy and continuing the incentive for employers to offer health insurance. After the war, President Truman wanted to create a national health system, but he failed, which consolidated America's weird employer-based health insurance system. Since then, government policy has attempted to fill in the gaps of the system rather than create a new one. Unfortunately, this issue is complicated. There are some benefits of employer-sponsored health insurance. For one, people like it. Employer-sponsored health insurance is popular among those who have it. A variety of surveys find 69 to 89% of people are satisfied with it. Of course they are. They're getting a big break from the government. These surveys also don't tell the full story. One thing, such plans are getting more expensive and are becoming a worse deal. Another, 40% of people on employer plans say they have trouble paying medical bills. Roughly half said they haven't utilized healthcare or delayed it because they can't afford it. About 17% say they make difficult sacrifices to pay for healthcare. These stats don't match the rosy view of the general satisfaction numbers. Furthermore, people with higher deductible plans tend to be less happy, and higher deductible plans are growing. Also, 70% of Americans think the healthcare system is in crisis. Additionally, because 80% of healthcare spending is used by 20% of the population, that means 80% of people only do 20% of the spending. 50% of people use 3% of healthcare. That's an average of $276 a year. So people may say they're satisfied, but they aren't using their coverage. So how would they know? The earlier point about the wealthy benefiting more than the less wealthy is mitigated if we look at the subsidy proportionally. For those with lower incomes, the subsidy they receive for health insurance is a larger share of their total compensation than it is for the wealthy. So, as a percentage of their compensation, they benefit more. It's not clear to me if this matters more than the absolute subsidy, but it is a wrinkle in the conversation. Another weakness in a con I mentioned is the part about incentivizing healthcare increasing spending, which increases prices. While this may be true, this isn't a problem unique to employer-sponsored healthcare. 
If we moved away from this system to another subsidized system, we'd have the same costly incentives. Many other developed countries are more generous than the U.S. in making healthcare cheap for its citizens, both by subsidizing more citizens and lowering the cost per person. Yet, the U.S. has far more expensive prices, so subsidizing healthcare isn't a key driver in causing U.S. healthcare prices to be crazy high compared to other nations. Another mitigation? While it's true that employers see health benefits as a form of compensation, and people would make higher wages without it, it's not clear that 100% of the money spent on healthcare will be converted into salary. If employers can get away with pocketing some of that money, they will. An immediate repeal of employer insurance tax breaks wouldn't automatically increase individuals' wages. One thing, the straight salary would be more expensive because taxes have to be paid on it. But even if income taxes were proportionally reduced, companies' ultimate goal is to maximize profit and they may use the opportunity to pocket extra income. Over time though, supply and demand pressures would lead to employees getting paid more to make up for the lack of compensation in health insurance. Also, employers provide more health insurance for a worker with a family than one without. If employers offered cash instead of insurance, this would not be the case. It's possible that employers getting rid of health benefits may distribute the replacement cash compensation more toward high-income employees, further hurting those with less means. Another chink in the armor of the equity argument, more productive people tend to have better jobs, including better health insurance. So not all of the disparities due to the system, but just that more in-demand people get more compensation of any kind, including health care. One helpful benefit of employer-sponsored health insurance is risk pooling. The workplace brings together a large group of people, both healthy and unhealthy, young and old. That usually creates a good risk pool to spread the cost of healthcare. This also reduces the problem of adverse selection, when only unhealthy people tend to sign up for insurance. A large employer is likely to have most employees join the health plan, and this population can have a level of risk close to the population average. Additionally, Purchasing insurance through a large group produces economies of scale advantages. An additional advantage of employer-sponsored health insurance? Eliminating profits. 65% of employers self-insure. This cuts the necessary cost of an insurance company needing to make a profit. Employers neither had the incentive to raise premiums for the sake of profit, nor to pay too much for health insurance. They provide health insurance as compensation and their incentive is to do so as efficiently as possible. Providing good insurance gives companies a competitive advantage when competing for employees and helps keep employees more productive due to their good health. While without laws preventing it, insurance companies can raise premiums on those who become expensive or even refuse to renew their insurance. Employers have a longer term view due to wanting to keep productive employees for years. Compared to limited competition, in some private insurance markets or a government-run program, self-insuring companies produce an environment with many insurers, all with the incentive to innovate. That said, innovation isn't so easy. Employers want to innovate and negotiate to keep healthcare prices down, but more and more their strategy is simply to make health insurance more expensive for their employees. Whatever incentive companies have to innovate, they have failed to prevent rising healthcare prices or to insulate their employees from them. The number of people with employer-sponsored health insurance who are considered underinsured is rising. 
the proportion of the population with employer-sponsored health insurance with deductibles greater than 5% of household income was six times larger in 2016 than 2003, moving from 2 to 13%. It's not clear that employers have the power or expertise to handle rising healthcare prices, and this increases doubt on their ability to innovate. On JobLock, while it's true that employer coverage plays a role in this, employer coverage isn't alone in producing JobLock. If affordable coverage was available to everyone through non-employer means, then there would be no job lock. We can't blame this completely on employer-sponsored health insurance. The ACA only fixed this for people with certain incomes, so it was not a general solution. And without subsidies, the plans on the ACA are much less affordable than the subsidized employer plans. Employment-based health insurance is one reason Americans work more hours than Europeans. On one hand, this hurts our welfare because if we'd prefer to retire early or work a little less and are only continuing to slave away to afford health insurance, then that sucks for our quality of life. On the other hand, having people work more creates a larger economy and increases the country's power. Which of these is more valuable is not a fact. A potential benefit of employer health insurance is that maybe HR departments provide better customer service than insurance company representatives. Finally, government-sponsored health insurance does make health care less expensive for the individual. The tax break is a subsidy from the government. Without it, insurance would either cover less stuff or be more expensive to the individual. There's certainly an argument that health care is a fundamentally important service that we want to make sure everyone has access to without ruining people's finances. An employer-sponsored health insurance has worked in subsidizing healthcare. It is likely that without this subsidy, or a similar one not connected to work, less people would be insured. This means people dying because they can't afford healthcare or going broke when they get it, or people not taking care of problems early then getting expensive emergency services without paying for it, which increases expenses for all those that do pay for it. This doesn't mean we need employer healthcare to keep people alive and financially secure, but it does mean we'd likely want to replace employer-sponsored health insurance with something else. Unfortunately, finding a great solution is near impossible. Any plan would have advantages and disadvantages. It's hard to have an opinion on the policy of tax-free employer health insurance by itself because it's so connected to overall U.S. healthcare and health insurance. It's beyond the scope of this piece to solve all that. Some studies find that if the U.S. had a subsidized system not connected to employment, that would increase the net welfare of society. I won't make a determination on that or what the general system should be, but I will say is this. If some people are getting a large break on insurance, then everyone should get a comparable break. So we should either get rid of all breaks for the non-poor working age population or make sure everyone has access to a similar benefit. I'd also like to stress that people who receive this massive handout from the government should be aware of it and realize that they directly suckle from the taxpayer's voluminous bosom, similar to those on traditional welfare. Well, I'm Lone Candle. Like me, comment me, love me. And love means subscribe.